Hey beautiful soul, this is the Menopause Coach Podcast with me, your host, Adele Johnston. I'm helping you create a vibrant life of joy and happiness without your menopause stealing your personal power and sass. Together, we're making menopause mainstream. There's nothing worse than trying to do too much, falling short, because then that you've talked about guilt, you've talked about shame, you've talked about these anxieties that can happen when we feel like we're not doing enough, when in reality, we're doing so much. Welcome back to another episode of the Menopause Coach Podcast. I am absolutely delighted to have a phenomenal guest and expert with us today called Sam Pashley. Sam has been in the fitness and health space for over 10 years now and has worked with a lot of other coaches in this space around behavior change. That's what we're going to talk about today. So Sam is the owner of Real Online Training and is currently doing an MSc in behavior change. And when I first met Sam and we started chatting a little bit about what that entailed and what he was really focusing on, it really sparked a massive interest for me because of the space that we are in with the menopause, perimenopause and postmenopause space for ladies, there's a lot around behaviour change that I come up against and face into and in how we coach in this space. So it felt like an absolute amazing opportunity to speak with someone who has that extra lens around behaviour change in human beings. So Sam, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks very much for having me. So today, I think it would be amazing if we can, and again, thanking you vastly for your life currency today, your time being with us, to dive into, in a bit of a selfish fashion, because this is an, an area that I have a massive lust for knowing more on, around how to improve sedentary behaviour. So where we talk about behavior change, I'm sure you come up against this as well within real online training. In the show notes, you'll be able to click and go straight through to Sam's website and social media handles if you want to find out more. But real big interest around how to improve sedentary behavior from a psychology lens. So can we maybe just dive into this a bit? Do you want to share with us around why an MSc in behavior change? And then we can jump into the sedentary piece, if that feels good. This has always been a massive interest for me. So I started off in fitness coaching over a decade ago, like you said. I figured at the start, it would be just about telling people to do more press-ups and you know eat a few more apples and all that kind of stuff. And then you quickly get this idea that actually, you know, there's more to it than this. And people come to you for advice, but a lot of people don't necessarily take that advice or there's other things going on, there's other influences and things like that. Mm. So this started my interest in the psychology behind why we do things, helping people to change. Um, and I, I, I guess I considered myself fairly well read. Up until a few years ago, I'd kind of read a fair amount of books on it, um, you know, because it interested me so much. And I got to this point where I was like, actually, do you know what? I feel like I need something official behind me now, which is the reason for the MSc. Not that I wanted letters after my name, but I wanted some sort of kind of credibility and some, you know, some something to talk about. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm... I'm two thirds of the way through it now I'm going to, into my final year I've got the, the important dissertation to, to go next year which I'm excited about slash dreading yeah um, <laughs> but it, it's like I said it, it this this for me isn't talked about enough it's the most important thing when it comes to actually implementing anything you know we mm. talk about training nutrition we're going to talk about sedentary behavior sleep all that kind of stuff when it comes to actually taking action this mm -hmm. stuff is what matters because it impacts so many 
facets of life. It's such a huge area as well, right? And I remember, I mean, I'm feeling your pain right now. I remember many, many, many moons ago doing my dissertation just for my honours degree. So absolute kudos to you for doing it for your masters. Hope you're looking (laughs) forward to it. Let's jump into the good stuff around all of this then. I absolutely 100% agree with you around behaviour change, around, you know, human beings as we are. It's not that we innately go out there to self-destruct. And we don't absolutely wake up on it every morning and think, do you know what, today I'm going to make sure that I fail in everything I do. And, you know, I'm not really good at what I what I set out to do. I don't want to do it. But ultimately, our mindset and our psychology play a massive role within how we are then in our physiology. And this is something where I would love to dive into this piece around what you've unearthed over the course of the last three years. You're in your final year now. What seems to have come up the, as the kind of main thing for you that you've kind of thought, wow, that's that's a really big piece to take away from this? And this is what I've done my latest assignment on, was that the behavior is so complicated. We, we typically, as humans, we try to oversimplify things, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're really good at trying to come up with quick answers. Yeah. For, a, for a solution and going, okay, right, X equals Y, let's just let's just go ahead with that. And, and that served a big purpose in the past when we were fighting for survival and life looked a lot different to, to how it does now. We had, you know, as a species, we had to survive and solve problems on the fly. Whereas one of the big biggest things that I've taken away is that we actually need to take a step back and, and look at the problem or the system as a whole and realize that everything has an impact on each other. So behaviors don't happen in a vacuum. It's something that behavior change specialists say a lot Mm -hmm. you know so although we might go right i need to let's use the the weight loss uh you know typical piece of advice that fitness coaches throw out there a lot at the moment if if people want to lose weight it's eat less move more right Mm -hmm. and when you know that typically you know if we look at that from a scientific standpoint that can be well that is true Mm -hmm. there's so much that goes into that 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 you know impacts us from a from an environment perspective, from a psychology perspective, from a systems perspective, that simple problems need to, we need to take a step back and have a look at actually what is impacting that and, and how we can approach that problem from a different perspective to, to have a different outcome. Because we've all got problems that we want to solve, right? Yeah. And just as you're saying that, I'm thinking about how we've got this kind of instant gratification want and lust from life right we've kind of like we're in this stage and I'm probably a lot older than you but I remember queuing up outside HMV to get the first single of the band that I loved and you know now it's like my kids are jumping onto Spotify and they've got the latest songs and albums and you know future tracks now so we're in this kind of instant gratification space of life everything moves fast and we kind of expect the weight loss to be fast. You bang on with that. You know, you think about how quick it is to buy something from Amazon these days. You click a button, you don't even need to put in your details anymore and it's on your doorstep. You're tripping over it as you're walking out the house. It's, yeah. You know, and, and with that comes expectations from us because it's that delayed gratification that is so often, you know, mm. what, what we're looking for when it comes to making big changes. That's definitely got to be taken into consideration. And this is probably where we start to get into this big space of this beautiful brain in our heads, but the impact that that can then have through a single thought and how we tell ourselves something's going to feel or be is ultimately, you know, whether we think we can Mm. or think we can't, we're 100% right. Big time. So sedentary lifestyles. I've suffered from this pre-menopause, 
I was very much a, you know, five, six days a week at the gym kind of person, getting all my cardio in, getting my steps done, being really active, planning, you know, health was everything. And then when I was 36 and starting to experience the first onset of perimenopausal symptoms, so a bit earlier than some women, it completely annihilated my motivation, my confidence to even go into the gym anymore, which is crazy given that, you know, I was at competitor level bikini bodybuilding. I was so confident in that space to not being. And it had a massive impact then on my training frequency, went from being kind of five, six days a week down to sometimes just two. And then for a long period of time, nothing. So I'd love to understand from your perspective then, what is so risky or so impacting on having a sedentary lifestyle? So I guess we can come at this from a, you know, two different standpoints or multiple standpoints where it obviously has an effect on our physical health, mm-hmm. um, but also our, our mental health. And I, I see it as, as a bit of a cycle, you know, or a ball of momentum. Sedentary lifestyles these days are obviously more prevalent. We sit in a car to go to work. We sit behind a desk. We sit on the couch watching TV. We don't have to go out and hunt and forage for food and stuff. So it's it's a consequence of modern day life. And we know that. And because of that, because of you know the fact that we are a lot more sedentary, we, we do we are seeing a decline in health, whether that's, you know, cardiovascular disease and hypertension, obviously risks involved with things like obesity and that mm. negative impact on activity can cause us to, to gain weight. But also on the mental health side of things, you know, we're humans, we're, we're designed to move. One of my, my favorite quotes, I'm a, I'm a bit of a sucker for a quote. I, I love them when, you know, <laughs> when you stumble across a little light bulb moment. Yeah. One of them was that I heard years ago was the mind thrives on daily stillness and the body thrives on daily movement. And it's something that I kind of try and live, mm-hmm. live my life by, which just, you know, whether it is going out for a walk, walking the dog or wrestling the kids or whatever it might be mm-hmm. like that, that's kind of what, what I, I try to do. Just just living by that something is better than nothing principle. I think it's it's probably quite similar that one of the sayings that we have inside Adele Johnston coaching with our ladies is that 10 minutes is better than no minutes. It's that psychological element of if we can get your shoes on and just get you outside for 10 minutes, it's going to be so much better for you than doing nothing. And we know that when they're out and saying, I'll just do 10 minutes, they will normally do about 20. So it's that whole piece of the first initial push, isn't it? Great little hack. I used to trick myself with it, actually, if I, if I ever got to the point where I didn't necessarily want to work out. Because working in a gym, I used to spend you know 10 plus hours a day in the gym. So when it came to my workouts, I'd be like don't really fancy staying here you know my partner's at home my kids are at home or whatever Mm -hmm. I can go and hang with them but I used to trick myself and go right do like you said do 10 minutes walk on the treadmill go and do something Mm -hmm. you enjoy maybe it might be a set of bicep curls and I used to trick myself further into these workouts and and make sure I'd actually move more often than not absolutely and it's it's part of it is almost uh I do this even now so (laughs) you know I'm completely honest with this I'll go into the gym and I'll say right my split just now is just about keeping it very much upper to lower sometimes it's all body if I'm not getting in enough times but it's then right just do four exercises today Adele just do four exercises and then before I know it I'm like well I may as well just stay and do two more we could quite easily just be very sedentary, not moving. You know, for those of you that are not familiar with that term, it's basically when we are not mobile enough, we are not active enough in our life. So 
simple little tricks that I will work with my ladies on is can we walk and talk? So if we're in a very corporate environment, can you encourage a walk and a talk? And it's just as it sounds. You know, instead of a sit down meeting, let's get you up and moving. Could be just around the house if you can't get out. Um, standing desks, you know, having these riser monitors that you're able to then stand and take some calls. Because again, we know that when we stand, the body needs to use a bit more energy, the blood needs to flow and the heart works a wee bit harder. So it just helps. And that kind of form of resistance on the legs to help us stay up. So yes, to all of this, I think it's super important. And we understand that it has that kind of psychological and also physiological impact on the body. So how can we take And I'm just thinking very simply in the simplest of forms, how can we take some psychology-based steps forward then to limiting that sedentary time in the day? What would you recommend from the research and the kind of eye-opener moments that you've had in your master's to help the listeners here today thinking, Adele, I'm with you, you know, some days I wake up and I'm just like, I am doing nothing today. How do we maybe trick the brain? What can we do there? I think, and, and this is obviously on an individual level, you'd approach this differently with each person in terms of what they are specifically targeting. But for, for each of the people that we work with, we like to get a really clear understanding of why they're doing what they're doing. So what would improving their activity throughout the day actually then likely lead to, mm-hmm. and then specifically nail down what they're going to do, okay, or what they're committing to. Because I feel like a massive barrier in the way of success is is making things complicated or making things confusing. Mm-hmm. And you see this, there's there's so much information on the on the internet these days. People are it's that paralysis analysis, right? Analysis, yeah, what whichever way around that is, where yeah. people have, have so much stuff going on, they're like, you know, wh- where do I start? And so for us, we make things super, super clear and go, right, okay, well, what's one thing that you can do mm-hmm. that you are actually fairly confident that you can get done and we're not asking people to overcommit and saying they're going to run marathons every afternoon because that's a little bit silly you know it's about okay well what one thing do you think you could schedule into your diary and Mm -hmm. get done every day um and you know you talked about the um you know 10 minutes is better than than zero minutes Mm -hmm. we we we, we're never asking people to be perfect and i'm sure you'll you'll agree with this you know if we say you're going to commit to something for five days per week and you do three days again that's better than zero days Mm -hmm. a lot of people when they start a journey they massively massively overcommit whatever it might be let's say they're trying to cut down on cookie consumption Mm -hmm. and they eat 10 cookies a day it's like they go with the all or nothing type situation, right? Well, I'm yeah. just going to, you know, go cold turkey. I'm not going to eat any cookies. And actually, if you went down to seven, that's probably better than 10. And then you can go from there. So mm-hmm. it's about understanding why you're doing things and then getting really clear on what it is you're going to commit to and then working to build momentum and doing that more often than that over time. And we find that if people can't do that, it's time to simplify again and, mm-hmm. you know, have that conversation. I don't know if you find this as well um, within real online training with the, the clients that you support, but and I, I don't know if it is just this kind of environment that we're in, but obviously we've got um, the instant gratification. We've got very fast food environments where we're able to, you know, phone in, just eat or, you know, deliver room and we can get everything and anything to the door these days if we live in that environment or that area. But just when you were talking around the cookie analogy, It's certainly one where we find a lot of shame within the food environment and within the movement and exercise environment where you're absolutely spot on, where people will 
they dream of the perfect person of themselves. So the perfect me will go to the gym X times a day or X times a week and I will be able to do A, B and C and I'll not eat the bad foods, the junk foods. I'll only eat the clean foods. And actually there is no such thing, absolutely no such thing. The way that the body works, we feel it through that amazing source of energy that we choose. And this is a big thing that I advocate is choice. You always have choice. You choose to either have that food item or you choose to think about, well, what does my body need right now? You choose to be inactive or you choose to do the 10 minutes better than no minutes. It pulls me back into this piece of, it's all so much within the brain, isn't it? It's all within that psychology. Such a perspective and such a mindset. And I love that you've just brought that up because it's it's mm-hmm. that empowerment that we help people realize. We don't give it to people because they have it already. Yeah. But owning their decisions is, is something that we're, we're really hot on. And I've had people joke, like, reach out to me before as their coach is saying, hey, do I have permission to do this? Do I have permission yeah. to eat this? Or, yeah. and I'm like, hey, hey, I'm, I'm, here to, I'm here to help guide you and, and to have conversations i'm not i'm not here to give you permission you are your own you are your own being and the result of this coaching hopefully shows you that you you have a choice like you just said we're humans we're imperfect we will inevitably make a choice that looking back on it possibly wasn't the best one for us but you know that that's a part of this whole journey as well perfect isn't a thing it doesn't exist i say this to my girls all the time i'm like there is no such thing as perfect because what one person deems or sees as perfection is someone else's imperfection. So it's all perception. <laughs> Lots of big words there. Um, okay, so <laughs> I um, I could honestly talk to you about this forever, but I fully appreciate that there's another part to this as well. When we stay within the, the kind of the psychology to physiology side of the body, what is your perception around sleep? What role does sleep play in all of this? Because it's something that, I mean, I've I've read a lot of research and articles around sleep and there's this whole debate at the moment between sleep specialists and nutritionists where nutritionists will say your food is your most important thing for your body and sleep experts will say, well, no, sleep is way more important than nutrition. So I'm intrigued to find out from your perspective with the masters that you are deep into right now, what is your perception around sleep and the benefits it has around our mental and physical being? Am I likely to get shouted at by either nutritionists or, or sleep coaches here? No, this is the thing. Be authentic. <laughs> Safe space. Yeah. No, so sleep is something, and similar to yourself, Adele, it's something that I've looked into massively in recent years. I, I wouldn't call myself an expert in it because, you know, there are people that, that specifically study that. Mm-hmm. However, as you know, it drips drips into well it's a massively important thing for health and lifestyle and, and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So when it comes to how we approach it again with the guys that we work to work with it, it I would say it underpins everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's vitally important because it has, we call it a force multiply in the sense that if you get sleep, right, the impact, everything else, it, it almost makes things, everything else easier. And, and that includes nutrition because we know that if we don't get enough sleep, our body will crave a certain type of food to get energy, you know, mm-hmm. and actually studies show and, and my reading on this subject isn't, isn't amazing. So I'll probably get figures wrong, but we will, we will specific, well, we typically eat more calories when we are tired than we would if we were in a more you know, rested yeah. or, you know, if we slept well, let's say. Um, so it has a massive impact on our physiology that way. But mm-hmm. you know, if we, if we think about things like stress, 
and mood you know mm-hmm. just just anecdotally i know massively if i haven't got the right amount and the right quality of sleep straight away because i'm i'm grumpy i'm hungry i'm lethargic i haven't got any motivation to do anything i you know i procrastinate and you know i know that it's something that i really need to focus on as a as a first port of call mm-hmm. if it's to then make my job easier down the line and a lot of people know this stuff they just don't take it seriously it's almost under mm-hmm. underestimated and it's like no if you, if you can nail that you're actually you know quite you know, further along than, than you would would be without it i know a lot of people don't have control over their sleep and that's a lot of frustration my children are six and four Mm-hmm. So we're just getting into that point where they're, they're, they sleep through the night and they're going to school and, you know, they have a bit more of a sleep routine, which is yeah. amazing. But there are still nights where, you know, nightmares happen or whatever it might be and where our sleep gets interrupted and you feel it so much just in every aspect of your life. Absolutely. And, it, and you know, for making it quite relevant within the menopause space as well is that as we have our estrogen and progesterone levels start to drop during perimenopause progesterone is is such a sleep enhancer it's really great for you know it really helps with the ability to not only fall and drift off into sleep but to remain sleeping as does estrogen so as that starts to decline we start to find then that the frustration can kick in because all of a sudden we're exhausted but we're having maybe vivid dreams. You know, this is from experience. Vivid dreams of really weird characters standing over you at night in your bedroom. And it's your brain trying to process the drops in all of these hormones. So it has a direct impact. A lot of women will suffer from face and motor symptoms. So again, the night sweats can wake them up. And for a lot of ladies, it's so severe, so severe that it's a change of bed linen throughout the evening which disrupts partners. So again, if they're sharing a bed, the partner's sleep is disrupted. And when both people are disrupted, you can just imagine it, you know, if it's prolonged. So it's such a big influencer, especially within the menopause space as well, um, for a lot of a lot of families, a lot of women. And I think it's just intriguing to hear it from your perspective because the point you made there around, you know, our appetite. So our hunger hormones, leptin and ghrelin, are massively impacted when we do not have enough quantity or quality of sleep. And we can misread hunger for I'm just tired or I'm feeling a bit out of homeostasis at the moment. And actually, if we had a nap, we might actually just help our body to reset a little bit. But I speak to a lot of women who will say, but I don't want a nap because then I'm seen to be lazy. You know, I'm like nana napping and taking naps in the middle of the day isn't really my thing. So it's just intriguing speaking to you about this kind of space around behavior change and why sleep is so important. We we completely get that without going into the, the detail around it all. Um, but in terms of interventions, then this might be quite a deep ask. So feel free to answer it as as you wish. But in terms of interventions on what we've touched on so far for behavior change, for that kind of lack of movement or sedentary approach to your lifestyle, what can you advise or suggest that has been good, effective interventions that you've used or still used today with either yourself or your own clients? And is this specifically to, for, for sleep or sedentary behavior? Sorry, yeah, I think um... for a bit of both. I think if we look at it from sedentary lifestyles of not really a lot of movement is there even a top tip that you could recommend from the research that you've been doing 
that can be highly effective for that. And then the same for sleep. So anything can be an intervention, right? So one of the things that I've picked up along the way is that anything can work for the right person. There is no perfect interventional behavior to target. Obviously, there are certain things when it comes to sleep, for example, you know, our bodies operate on a circadian rhythm. So one of the best things that can happen, what you can do for that is looking to get up and to go to bed at a similar time as possible throughout the week and even on the weekends. And that's something that I specifically go to for myself when I know I need to get a bit bit more rest or better rest is right okay what time am I waking up okay what time do I need to go to bed and trying to keep that constant because yeah. it, it works for myself and that's how our bodies bodies work um, so that could be one intervention that you target and that's actually something that I did in one of my assignments was to work with people we uh, had them answer a mental well-being scorecard mm -hmm. before the intervention and then they did the sleep intervention, which was literally just picking a bedtime and sticking with it yeah. throughout the week. And then we had them repeat the mental well-being scorecard afterwards. And the results were for, for a week long study. It was it had its flaws. It needed a lot more mm -hmm. people that needed a lot much more of a longer term study. But it was it was pretty, pretty damn awesome to see what what. Know, what came from that so yeah so interventions in in terms of that any anything can can really be an intervention it's just about kind of what works for the person when it comes to sedentary or trying to improve sedentary lifestyle let's say we we talk about you know setting alarms throughout the day i think most of us are pretty good at ignoring life going on around us when mm -hmm. we're at work whether that's lunch whether it's walking the dog or whatever it might be mm -hmm. whereas if you set an alarm and go actually no i'm committing to this time to walk around the block or to sit and eat mindfully or take like as, as you mentioned Adele take a call on the go um, or a standing desk or there's a lot you know it looks mm -hmm. like these walking um, treadmills are in trend at the moment yeah I've seen um, some of them they're pretty, pretty cool, cool. <laughs> there's quite a few interventions that might work for an individual it's about trying to work out with that person what might work best for them what might fit into their lifestyle something that we always do is try to look behind the intervention again let's let's use the uh one, one example I always use is, is nutrition. So we talk about um, planning and, and preparing for, for nutrition for a, a week's worth of eating, let's say. So we, we ask people to, to have a think about what meals they enjoy eating because mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell anybody what to eat. I don't know what their preferences are. Yeah. So what they enjoy eating. Okay, well, what, ne what needs to happen in order for them to eat that meal? They probably need to buy that food in, right? You can't eat food out of your fridge if you've got no food in the fridge. So mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well probably need to buy that food in the first place so what's a step before that probably going to the shop and buying that you know or then looking at recipes that allow you to build a shopping list so that you can go along the journey and go right okay mm -hmm. for this behavior to happen i need to think three or four steps behind um, for a lot of people 10 minutes of planning ahead of time looking at where they're getting their movement in what their week looks like um you know how they can fit stuff in is you know pays off in dividends later down the line and again it's a really really simple tip that most people overlook and go 10 minutes of planning on a sunday night now i don't need to do that but in reality if they can you know, prioritize and make commitments it pays off hugely no i would absolutely agree with you it's one of the things that even from a personal perspective sitting down with the diary and just appreciating what does the week ahead look like realistically when am i going to be able to make the meals do they have to be in the slow cooker throughout the day because actually you know personal chef <laughs> it's brilliant the slow cooker <laughs> then it means that I can put it all in in the morning forget about it and have it ready for the kids coming in from school if I'm not going to be 
available through the day. Today's one of those days. So really appreciating it from a perspective, like you've said, it's like your behavior in order to make that change, you want to look back the way then. So it's almost like you're getting people to focus on what is the goal? What's the outcome? What's the aspiration? And then what do we need to do to build that kind of process diagram to get there? What are the steps that have to then be taken? I love that. That's really, really effective. When you do that, you, a couple of things happen. So you might look at your diary, Adele, and obviously you're fitting in where, you, where you, your cooking time is, where your movement time is, when your downtime is. Yeah. And you might look at your diary and go, okay, brilliant. A few tweaks sort of, you know, prioritizing certain things here. You know, one thing we're hot on is actually scheduling in time for yourself and, mm-hmm. and sticking to that because it's important. Yeah. Um, so you might be able to do that, but also it might allow you to go, actually, I'm asking too much of myself here. You know, yes. there's, there's too much. Good. Is there another thing that I can focus on? Because we've talked about, you know, something is better than nothing and not overcommitting, mm-hmm. but there's nothing worse than trying to do too much, falling mm-hmm. short, because then that you've talked about guilt, you've talked about shame, you've talked about, you know, yeah. these, these anxieties that can happen when we feel like we're not doing enough, when in reality, we're doing so much. Yes. Absolutely. That's like the the neon light moment of the podcast, I think, is around, you know, allowing ourselves and giving ourselves the permission to step back and, you know, tactfully say no. This is something where we'd had an amazing guest expert come into my um, coaching and help the ladies to appreciate how to communicate effectively. So she's an ex-Police Scotland hostage negotiator. So I was like, you're going to know how to communicate. Her name's Kathy McDonald. She's amazing. So you should check her out. One thing that she was sharing with us in this journey is that we forget to say the word no, or we forget to tactfully decline because we're fearful then of what the repercussions will be if we say no to something. So if we're in the corporate world and we say no to our boss, if we're at home and we say no to the kids, and it's that guilt of no, I can't read you a story tonight because I'm absolutely exhausted or no, I can't because. And instead of that being seen as a negative, it's actually that let's just be clear on this. So actually had a lot going on today. I'm going to read you a story, but I'm going to do it tomorrow evening when we get ourselves into bed a bit earlier. How does that sound? So it's all in the way that we then communicate over. And when we're actually in a not so vibrant and kind of empowered mind space, it can be very difficult for us to say no. So we fill our diaries, we fill our commitments, we say yes to everything and we burn out. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's two aspects to that, aren't there? Where you're having a conversation with somebody else who might be asking you to do something, but also it's about how we communicate with ourselves and, and you know, and how we, we build those boundaries with ourselves. And again, we're all humans, we're constantly learning. There's, there's, there's a lot going on with our with our individual journey so mm-hmm. sometimes we will overcommit, but it's about learning learning when that happens and going okay well you know maybe I won't do that next time and what are my other options here and I suppose just to kind of finish up on this piece here one of the big things that I will do myself but I will also encourage my ladies within my space and my world to do is to appreciate that if we start to knock off our self-care so that's one of my non-negotiables And the self-care is everything from our steps for health each day. It's the things that we do to care for our physical and emotional being. So if we start to notice that we're cutting our walk short, we're not actually prepping our foods if that's what we want to do, or we've cancelled the gym session, or we've cancelled X, Y, or Z that's our self-care slot, 
that's the alarm bell to say you're overcommitting. The moment we start to slide those things, we're overcommitting and we need to tactfully then say no by saying, yes, of course I can do that, but it'll be next week before I can fit you in. Just by you saying that, I'm recognizing things in my, myself from this week. <laughs> Triggered, <that I> can, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? I'm triggering myself right now going, oh my God, if you could see my diary today. But do you know, this is it, right? We're all... And each of us listening to this today, you know, these ladies listening to this are ambitious women. They want to, they want to do the best they can, achieve the most they can. And for some of the ladies listening to this today, there'll be little snippets of light bulb moments. There will be moments of feeling triggered. And that's what these podcast episodes are about. If you feel triggered listening to this, good. It's done its job. It's opened up a bit of a Pandora's box for you to explore and to figure out what feels good, what feels rich, what feels abundant within your energy space and what's not serving you right now. Because what's not serving you right now is something that you need to take a look at and understand. Do you continue it or do you tactfully say no? So on that note, I could speak to you forever about this behavior change and psychology. It absolutely floats my boat. Um, but I appreciate and honor your life currency, Sam. So thank you so much for being here today with us, for sharing some of your wisdom and your knowledge about your studies within your master's and also your experience as a coach working with people at the front line. Just before we go, is there anything you would like to add and also where people can find you if they want to connect and ask some questions? That was a, a lot of fun. Like like you, I can talk about this stuff for hours. So uh, yeah, in terms of where they can find me, so Instagram is probably your best bet. That's where I focus most of my attention. Um, so my handle is world's strongest Sam with dots in between the worlds and the, uh, yeah, the other words. So worlds.strongest.sam, which is uh, obviously a little bit silly because I'm not the world's strongest Sam, but <laughs> that was a bit of fun. Um, or um, at real online training. Um, and yeah, that's where we put most of our information out. We will pop the link directly into both of those Instagram handles in the show notes so that you can easily just go there and press the button and click right through. It has been a privilege, Sam. Thank you so much for each of you listening to this today. Again, thank you for showing up. Thank you for dedicating your life currency to yourself, your body and your mind. And we will see you on our next episode. If you're new to the podcast, don't forget to hit that subscribe or follow button. It helps to keep you in the loop a bit earlier because you get early released episodes. How cool is that? And it also helps us to grow and reach way more women worldwide. So don't forget to hit the follow button or the subscribe. And please do, if you have loved this episode, let Sam and I know what part did you really take away? What resonated with you? What triggered you? If you're triggered, is a good thing. So share with us what has come through for you. And we will be here to answer any questions you have at all. Thank you so much and have an amazing day. I truly hope this episode has sparked something vibrant inside of you. I ask only one thing. To help keep these episodes coming, please subscribe and share with another in your life. That's how we reach more women worldwide and we help them step into their power. Because together, we are working to remove any of the stigma and taboo that surrounds menopause. This does not need to be a daunting, a scary, a taboo time in anyone's life. So together, let's make menopause mainstream.